raindrop reflecting on the water as the sun shuts her eyes don't know why you'll uncover watch the tide rolling with the moonlight everything is silent on this this is Missing Magnolias. We are a local Louisiana true crime podcast. I'm your host, Scarlett. My co-host, Dr. Michelle Genus, is a criminologist and professor. We have with us today a really special guest, Jennifer Norris, retired U.S. Air Force. She is responsible for the website Military Justice for All. Thank you for your service and for joining us. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Jennifer is doing what no one is doing, and she's been doing it for years on her own time. Jennifer is both chronicler and crusader of deaths of U.S. soldiers, both stateside and overseas. Jennifer is careful to lay out the facts given to us by the military on her website, but the data, to put it mildly, is overwhelming and evident that there is an endemic in the U.S. military with these untimely deaths of our young soldiers. The number of deaths annually, roughly 33 soldiers a month. Mind you, these are all young people with lives ahead of them. We are witnessing this problem unfold in real time. These deaths are not new. The public is just becoming aware. The list of problems only continue to spiral. Corruption in the higher ranks, rape, assault, suicide, homicide, drug overdose, depression, untreated PTSD. I'm excited for our listeners to hear from you on how you got started with Military Justice for All. I think we can just dive right in. My career was ended sooner than what it should have been. And I was angry by that because the cold, hard reality of the whole situation was, for those who don't know, I lost my career because I was also a victim of crime while serving. What's significant about that is that had I not gone to work, it never would have happened. Everything that happened to me happened on the job. This is the kind of job that you can't just quit. The U.S. military, you sign a contract. It's not easy to get out of that contract. If you do leave, you can be charged with federal AWOL charges or the other option that we're probably seeing right now is choosing to take your own life to escape, which I understand because I felt that way at different points in my career as well. I did press charges against two of the four individuals that assaulted me. One of them did actually rape me. They were given non-judicial punishment for felony crime. Yet, when I informed the military many years later that I needed to get some counseling to help me better myself, to have a better relationship with the man who would become my future husband, I lost my career. You can't imagine how absolutely maddening that was to face that kind of injustice. They got their full military retirement benefits, and I lost my career simply because I wanted to talk about what happened on the job that I wasn't able to talk about from 1996 until when I actually did finally ask for help in 2006 because there was no help. I was motivated by anger to change the system. I learned not only is there a sexual assault problem, but there were all these questionable deaths that seemed to occur because of some sort of sexual trauma, assault, rape, or maybe even domestic violence, hazing, and other things. 
I also was really concerned about jurisdiction issues, given the role of the U.S. military in the world. That was something we really needed to work out. And also the fact that they were punishing felons with a civil offense. One thing led to another. We've got to tackle this from a big picture perspective. And I need to create a website that shows the American public all the different facets to this problem, that it's not just sexual assault. We've got domestic violence. We've got hazing. We've got bullying. We've got suicide. We've got non-combat deaths that we don't even know how they died. We've got parents telling us they were raped before they died. All these different little things that tied into the big picture. I wanted to put it all in one place, like an encyclopedia in chronological order to help our civilians understand what was going on. So we together could tackle it from a public policy perspective and do the right thing by not only our military members, but also society. Because when the military doesn't deal with the issues that they've got at hand, it just bleeds out into our civilian world and then becomes our problem. So that's how that website started. Ken, in your work, what's been the most surprising or concerning thing that you've found? I think the most surprising thing that I've learned since really diving in and looking at all the different angles is, first of all, I didn't even know that there was a sexual assault problem. I thought I just had bad luck. I thought I was just really unlucky and my career got screwed because I was unlucky. I didn't realize it was as problematic as it was. So that was the first thing that I learned is, oh, wow, I'm not the only one. And this is military-wide, not just Air Force, not just National Guard, everywhere. Then to learn that they sent women overseas before the women in combat ban was lifted, albeit they were in defensive posture, but still, it's like they broke the rules to fulfill manning needs without even taking into consideration the problems that could occur. That was problematic to me. Then them trying to almost shut me down the day I testified by lifting the women in combat ban because what it did was it shifted the media to want to talk about that, not what happened to me. That was problematic. And then for them not even to have a discussion about the policy that they're going to create to keep people safe now that they were going to do this, that bothered me. And then as I dove in further, I realized, oh, wow, they don't just have a sexual assault problem. They have a domestic violence problem. They have a homicide problem. They have a missing persons problem. I had no idea. So I started from a complete place of just being naive and wanting to just be like a detective and follow the leads. There's this whole hidden problem that until someone like me pulls it all together for you, you don't know it's there because the media, if they don't cover it nationally, won't help pull that together for you to understand that this isn't a onesie twosie. This is happening worldwide. The most problematic thing of all for me is the only policies that they have passed since knowing about at least the sexual assault issues and how prevalent those are and how damaging it is to their personnel 
is what they call the Defense Strong Act. And it was enacted in the January 2012 timeframe. And it was passed as a result of a Marine named Maria Lauterbach, who was someone who had pressed sexual assault charges against a supervisor who then later murdered her. And the mom said, had she been transferred from that base away from him, she most likely would not be dead. So this Defense Strong Act created this whole expedited victims transfer policy of which the US military does not honor in its totality to this day. Then the hardcore resistance against taking things out of the chain of command and professionalizing it, which would help us solve these problems, is another big piece of this that's really problematic, which is probably why I stuck with it for so long, because I couldn't help but notice as I was tracking everything over the last 10 years that nobody had suggested any problems to help address this. Anything they did suggest was window dressing. It didn't go at the core of the root of the problems to help us actually solve crime. That's some overwhelming information there. As a person who is not associated with the military, I don't have a lot of experience with that. I've done an interview or two about missing service members, especially the Vanessa Gillian case. Someone had called me and said, how big of a problem is missing persons in the service? And I didn't have an answer. I hadn't seen any statistics. There was no data that I had been aware of. Could you tell us a little bit about what you found out or what you know about um, the missing persons process in the military? Absolutely. I noticed in 2016 that there was a rise in deaths at Fort Hood. Just so you can understand how I've been operating, I set up a ton of Google alerts so I could track all the local news because things don't make national news. And so I honed in on where all the bases were and even set up my Twitter to follow their local newspapers too so I wouldn't miss anything. I was able to capture all kinds of data in that way because I put in a ton of different queries so that it would capture it and I could track it. In 2016, I recognized, wow, there's a lot of stateside deaths at Fort Hood. What's going on over here? I just followed another lead. And while I was looking at things, someone went missing. His name was Dakota Stump. There's just some cases, like they all hurt, but there's some cases that just bleed into your soul. I can't explain it, but Dakota Stump's case was one of those cases that I just felt it so deeply that it really caught my attention. And that's what started all the real time tracking of Fort Hood. I was obsessed with Fort Hood after this. So Dakota goes missing. His family, out of desperation, goes down to Fort Hood to try and look for him because it appears that the military isn't going to look for him, doesn't care to look for him, labeled him AWOL. And then while they're down there, gives them the wrong information and leads them to believe that his phone pinged off somewhere in Indiana where he's from, which now I feel like is their way of getting rid of him because that's their MO was they want that family to get lost. They don't want to have to deal with that. They want to keep moving forward. Business as usual, unfortunately, at that base. And the Fort Hood report backs that up with 
them just labeling people AWOL and never looking for them. Well, Dakota Stump was the first case where I watched it happen real time. They told the family they looked for him. They gave the family the wrong information, so they were looking in Indiana and had them just running around like a chicken with their heads cut off while they were absolutely desperate to find their loved one. All in the end for us to find out that he was found not far from where he worked on base by accident by some guys doing some land nav exercises. And it appeared that he had died in a car accident. When we found out that he was found on base right near where he worked, we knew for a fact they didn't look for him. As a citizen of this country, that made me very, very angry that they could lie to the family like that, not look for somebody, yet say they looked for him, even though they didn't. And if they don't look for him, who's going to? Nobody's allowed on that federal property without that base commander's permission. So no matter how much you want to search Fort Hood for your loved one, they have the right to tell you you're not allowed on that base and that they'll look for them even though they didn't. And that just made me so angry. I was like, so basically what we've discovered is that if it happens on federal property, they have this protected bubble of keeping everybody out and we have no way to hold them accountable. Because of Dakota Stump, I went Michelle McNamara on them. And I was like, I'm going to figure out what's going on down here. Because not only did we lose 40 people in 2016, including Paige, but we had this crazy missing persons case. We had this accident that claimed the life of nine people, a training accident that everything looked like it could have been prevented. What they told us was that it is the Army CID's responsibility to thoroughly investigate each death, whether it's on base or off base. The bottom line is what we learned is they're not looking for missing people. They're just labeling them AWOL and moving on. And that's problematic because of what we learned with Dakota Stump. But then what came out in front of the world was that two cases they labeled AWOL, both Vanessa Guillen and Gregory Weedle Morales, weren't AWOL, they were buried in a shallow grave outside the base and nobody cared. They were just AWOL as if they're bad, that's their bad, they're a criminal, we don't care about them, as opposed to there's two missing and murdered individuals. We should know every single missing person from every base. What we do know since the Fort Hood report is that the Army's admitting to at least 2,000 missing persons case. It just seems crazy, at least to me, that there's not separate governing agencies within the military to report rape, a separate governing body to investigate homicide and suicide. It just seems problematic from a distance and the fact that nothing has really changed. Basically, what we're dealing with is the military investigates themselves. There's no independent authority and what we learned from the Fort Hood report, which again, I didn't know. I'm learning these things as we move along too, because we can't get any information out of them. But what we learned is that they are admitting 
yeah, we labeled them AWOL and we didn't handle that right. So we'll do better from now on. I think because of the fact that they are still investigating themselves is why that things seem to be getting worse. And what we learned again from the Fort Hood report, they admitted to this, is that they put crime on the back burner because they were more concerned about making sure they had the manning to go overseas to fight these forever wars. And that brings up another part of this, which is the jurisdiction issues. They're the US military. They're worldwide. You haven't got your jurisdiction issues straightened out yet? My commander told me that he could not prosecute my rapist because he jumped town. Once he found out that I was going to press charges against him, he quit his job and he jumped state. My commander told me we couldn't do anything about it because he left the state. We know for a fact that this is a transient population. This is worldwide yet you don't have jurisdiction over this guy and you're not going to do anything about it. And then same with another individual who attacked me. He was actually active duty down at a different base. And because he fell under a different chain of command, my commander told me, well, I don't have power over him, so I can't do anything about him either. So basically, you're telling me you're going to let the two worst offenders, they were all pretty bad, but these two, one was the rapist, and the other one was someone who completely abused their power while I was in a technical school setting. He attacked me while we were inside a satellite communication van, and I was actually going through a test. So I'm just telling you this so you can see how dangerous this guy was. And my commander knew that, but... I'm sorry, we don't have jurisdiction over those two, so I can't do anything about that. I just couldn't believe that. No wonder we've got problems in the military. You're just basically transferring the problems around and then letting retire with full benefits at our taxpayers' expense with no record. My own situation proved everything, but I set out to prove that this was military-wide not just my situation. This reminds me so much of the way that some churches handled sexual abuse of priests against children. Yes. Pushing them around, covering it up. And finally, the Catholic Church started record keeping. Their resolution to that was, okay, we have to be more transparent. We're going to investigate in these multi-phase studies. We're going to find out how big of a problem it is. What are the causes of it? and release that information. And then when they released that information, everybody was like, oh my God, the Catholic Church is full of pedophiles. But what I tell my students when I teach the sex offender class, I say, it's, it's not that the, the Catholic Church is full of pedophiles, it's that if I'm a pedophile and I look around and I see this network that has a history of covering up for other pedophiles, I'm going there because I'm gonna get away with it there. I'm not gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna be able to continue to hurt people. And so I, what worries me about the military is like, if they don't start with transparency or protection, then they're basically saying, come on guys, here's a way to get away with this type of crime. Do you get a sense that it's similar? Absolutely. I even have people commenting on my Military Justice for All Facebook page about those very things that they know now 
that the best way to get away with a crime is to do it on federal property or in an overseas location. These are people that are scared to speak out because of what they did witness. For them to, to finally start saying little smidgens of things like that on the page and start to feel comfortable with relaying that information, it's like a validation for me and what my I theorized was going on and why the problems feel like they're starting to spin out of control. And I'm glad you brought that up with the Catholic Church because that's an excellent analogy of what's going on with the U.S. military. But get this, this is what complicates the military situation. The Catholic Church started changing because they got sued and people in the media started calling them out all around the same time to make everything kind of flesh out the way it did. Here's the problem that we're running into. The media doesn't want to necessarily cover these things for some reason. We're trying to figure out why the media keeps getting shut down in this arena. They'll cover the sexual assault, they'll cover the, the sexual harassment, but they've been very hesitant to cover the rest of this stuff when I've shown on my website, it's a pattern. It's not just onesie twosies. It is now clearly a pattern. And why isn't anyone addressing this? So there's the first problem. The other thing is, is we can't sue the U.S. military because of something similar to what America's police force has called qualified immunity. In the military, it's called the Ferris Doctrine. It's almost like harm on the job, essentially. That's just, just if you could see everyone's face on the Zoom call, at least Michelle. It's just, it's unbelievable. Most people don't know about that. And that's another part of it. Another reason I wanted to create the website was to pull all that stuff together so you could see why there's a perfect storm right now of problems and why it feels like it boiled over and became very problematic at Fort Hood. And Fort Hood, as we've learned, is one of the most problematic bases out of the entire military. There are other very dangerous bases and ships that we're not talking about and we need to talk about. But for Hood, it's a proven problematic base and formally recognized by the Secretary of the Army as being one of our most problematic bases. I strongly believe that, A, not only do they need to be transparent for our military members' sake, but for, for society's sake, too, because this crime is not insular. As we both know, these criminals are not going to be like, oh, I'm going to stop at the base boundary and not touch those civilians. We know that's not how the criminal MO works here. No, we're not having any of these discussions. It's actually the complete opposite. They want to shut everything down. It's harder and harder to find information. People are turning to me as the only place that has anything that's comprehensive. And I'm like, that's why I created it. Because while I was doing the research, I recognized there is no one place to go to understand what the totality of the circumstances are in the U.S. military. It seems like just layers and, yes. and layers of problems. Jen, what would you say to somebody who said, you're just a woman scorned, this is a conspiracy, or there's no big conspiracy? What would you say to somebody who's critical of this? Because I think this might be hard for people to digest. Like, where does the average person start? I think I would say, first of all, I had no idea that this was even going on, and I was in the U.S. military. 
I don't know if it's because we didn't really have access to internet the way we do now. While I was serving, I got out in 2010, just as social media was starting to take off. I don't know. I guess I just never thought about, oh, let's Google and see if there's murder in the military. Who would think that? Because I wanted to be prepared for these media interviews and do the population right by being credible and speaking from a place of knowledge, I accidentally got updated on, oh, wow, there's all these other things. So I didn't know either. It's kind of hard to create conspiracy out of learning something accidentally. I wasn't making this up. That's what I say to the people that would accuse me of conspiracy theory. I'm not accusing anyone of anything here. I just believe that we should go in and reinvestigate these cases, whether it was suicide or homicide, because those families deserve answers. It's just horrible to think if you had a young person today that's considering enlisting, say they go through the service and maybe they come out untainted with a lot of these really negative experiences. What kind of culture is that day in and day out that you're being exposed to the trauma on that level? And also these people that are going in perpetuating some of this violence, how do they get to that point? It's like a twofold. You have the people that are victimized as well as the perpetrators. It's just a culture that needs to be addressed, all of this victimization on both levels, I guess. It really does. I had to transfer to a different state in order to escape what I was going through. And this was before the expedited transfer policy. I had to sign up for another six years to escape my situation because I couldn't just quit. So it forced me to stand even longer in order for me to get to safety. We do have some individuals that have chosen AWOL to save their own lives. And one of them was the one who inspired me to get help at the VA. This individual, when I was out at McCord Air Force Base with my husband, went AWOL because she didn't want to go to Iraq for a third time with the same people who were harassing her on the other deployments. She just knew if she went this time, either she was going to get raped or she was going to die. And she went AWOL to protect herself. So as a result of her advocacy and her family coming forward with her situation, it brought the whole conversation to light. And guess what? She went to jail for that. She went to jail, had to get a lawyer, had to work through all this stuff to get herself out of that situation and eventually did. Thank God. But those are the kind of choices that we're forcing on our service members when it shouldn't be like that. Jen, thank you so much. You're such a tireless crusader. You sort of fell into it, it sounds like. I did. You're turning Michelle McNamara into a <laughs> verb, and I love it. <laughs> and please, please keep us updated on what comes, because I think you're going to bring some great stuff. Thank you. I just want to get at it from the real angles. It's all about saving these lives, whether it's suicide or murder. Let's look at this realistically and save these kids' lives. I'm not saying that we should degrade the U.S. military as an institution. While I was in, we did some amazing things, and I respect all of them for what they've sacrificed for us. But if you've got a few bad apples in the wrong place that's creating these problems, then there has to be some way where we can 
finagle this to protect them. And that's all we're asking for. Thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. Second, Michelle, I hope we can get you on to update us. And you've been dealing with the families. That just must take a toll because this is not easy work. These are real people. These are real lives. So thank you so much for what you're doing. You're welcome. That's the hardest part, but I think that's what motivates me the most. We've become friends and I love these people and they didn't get what they needed from the military as far as love and support goes. They didn't get anything from them. As a matter of fact, they got re-traumatized, if anything. So I want to be that beacon of hope for them. We're not going to give up on trying to find answers to fix this and to address their own situations. Absolutely. Thanks everyone again, and please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Missing Magnolias signing off till next time.